0: Welcome to the High Impact Man Podcast. High impact men from across the nation sharing their stories of inspiration, encouragement, and hope to help others become the virtuous leaders they are called to be and that our nation desperately needs.
1: Well, here we go with another episode of the High Impact Man Podcast. Speely has told us this is episode number 22. He said, we've been doing it for half a year, but then dial up did... (laughs) Oh, it's 24 now?
2: All right, It's, so he, still, it's still not half a year. <laughs>
1: so, he said that was half a year, but we had to check his math. I think they changed math sometime in the last 15 years.
2: He went to school at Southern Columbia, and they're better known for their football. They than are known their, for their football. <clears throat> academics, so.
1: Yes. It's excusable. So anyway, my name is Nevin Gorky. I'm your host. I'm known as dfib in the gloom with my F3 brothers. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Troy Klinger, known as Dial-Up in the gloom. Dial-Up. Enjoying those wings I bought you? Uh,
2: yeah, they're, they're very, very good. They're a smoked cherry wood uh, buffalo wing.
1: Yeah, they call them drumettes. I don't yeah. know how they do it.
2: Yeah, they're, they're different looking.
1: I'm not quite sure how they make them. But. Yeah, for those of you who can't see what? us on the podcast, which is all of you, um, I always provide food for Spielberg and Dial-Up when they come over to the NAN Cave to, uh, to do, to do a, an episode of, or more, to record more episodes of the High Impact Man Podcast, which is listened to by thousands across the globe. Yes. All right.
2: Brought to you by Old Forge <laughs> Bar- Brewery in Danville, Pennsylvania. <laughs> That's
1: where I got these wings, Old Forge Brewery. <laughs> All right. So, um, I I just came back a week ago from our cruise, our European cruise to Greece. Uh, we hit uh, Santorini, Mykonos, both in Greece, Ephesus in Turkey, and Naples and. Uh, Italy, and uh, dial-up knows this, but uh, the rest of you out there don't know this, but on cruise day number three, I think it was, the morning we were going to dock at Santorini, I was running. There you go. All you F3 guys there, I was running on my cruise, okay, on the running deck, and I turned the corner as a guy collapsed there on the running deck, and some older ladies standing around him, and uh, I checked him out. He had no pulse, so I started CPR and uh, doing resuscitations, and I, I was doing resuscitating him for a little while before the uh, lifeguards and the medical crew showed up from the boat and uh, and then they took over and um, and he I know he received one shock from the AED and uh, he hadn't didn't wake up at that time but I found out later because then they, they made me leave and I found out later that uh, that he woke up he was resuscitated successfully and they flew him to Athens for who knows what happened after that I don't know But that was the excitement on the trip. Of course, I was doing my compressions to the beat of the tune.
2: It wasn't staying alive, right?
1: (laughs) It's supposed to be staying alive. If Anybody has seen the episode from The Office, right? He starts doing it to, yeah, I know staying alive. He starts doing...
2: It was, I will survive.
1: First, I was afraid. I was petrified. Yes, that was a running joke (laughs) with the people we were on the cruise with before this happened. So it was really hard not to sing. But anyway, it was a successful resuscitation. And I bring that up because our guest today is another defib.
2: Dueling defibs.
1: Dueling Dfibs. Did you know there was another after, defib out there?
2: After our Susquehanna Valley DfiB, almost got a chance to give a DfiB to a guy. Right. But they kicked you out.
1: Yeah. Yep. Well, the AAD did, did that. I've, I've defibbed a lot of people in my job as a cardiac surgery PA. That's how I got my name. Some of you know that. Some of you don't. doesn't matter. But our guest today, uh, Mr. Le- I'm going to get your name wrong here. I got to look it up LaPesto, LaPesti. How do I say that? <laughs> Lopresti. Billy LaPresti. There he is <laughs> from the F3 Suncoast. So yeah, Billy's coming on to talk to us because uh, I heard him on another podcast. And uh, the former Nantan down there, who was a Nantan when I was down in the Suncoast, Bing said you got to get this guy on your podcast. And I listened to a podcast where where Billy was a uh, a guest on and he's got a great story man a great testimony uh, both a personal testimony and what he's been doing uh, with his life and and people that he's impacting because he's a high impact man and that's what our goal here on this podcast is to bring on guys to tell their stories to encourage and inspire other guys and equip them and give them hope uh, to be the virtuous leaders that we're supposed to be so defib tell us how long have you been doing e- uh, f3 who eh'd you and how did you get your
0: name All right. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. It's a blessing to be here. Um, I've been in the F3 world for about four years. Uh, I got EH'd by one of the pastors who was kind of mentoring me when I first got saved. And, uh, his, his name is Slater down here in F3 Suncoast. And, um, he said, Hey, I'm going to go check out this F3 thing where guys work out and they're about fellowship and faith. And he said, um, and I'm going to, I'm going to drag you along because if I, uh, if I don't like any of these guys, at least you're there and and you know me. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, so I got to my first workout, um, down here on the f3 suncoast and loved it. Yeah, what what AO were you at? Uh it was called Lion or I don't even know if it was called Lions Pride at the time. We named it Lions Pride, but it was at uh Celery Field in South Sarasota. Okay. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I might it was only Lakewood Ranch when I was
0: when Yeah, the
1: three guys there, then they obviously expanded into region and got more AOs. All right, so yeah. who gave you your name? I want to know that first. Who named you?
0: Yeah, right, because we got the dueling d Right, um, that's right. <laughs> so it was actually a guy named Sniper, one of our uh, – I know Sniper. He was a SWAT guy Sniper. down there.
1: Yeah. He Hello, was Sniper, of- if you're listen, listening. Yeah. He carried me once, literally, during a workout. I carried him. He carried me. He did better than I did. He probably yeah. doesn't remember
0: that, but I do. Yeah, that dude's a beast. He, uh, Yeah, he's awesome. So he was the one that actually, when I was in the, in the circle, in the cot, he was the one that yelled out d which I'm thankful for. For because I'm an RN, so there was a lot of like close calls for sure. goofy you nurse could have been names nurse Cratchit. and
2: uh, yeah. hot lips.
0: We, we have a hot lips <laughs> down here, right? We, we, got a hot lips. we do. We have a hot lips. Oh, yeah. 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 He's, he's not a nurse though. He's not a nurse, but he's hot lips. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I made it out unscathed. Yeah. So uh do you know Drake? Oh yeah. He's the guy Scott. that named me. So oh, okay. Yeah. So I Drake named me defib, and. Six years ago, and then you I left. It shortly after I left. That's when you first came, and they replaced yeah, me with a younger, better version. This is Defib 2.0. Yeah. So, so
2: Sniper knew about you, obviously. I would assume since maybe he carried he didn't you.
0: Remember, I don't know. Yeah. Well, Drake wasn't in the cot whenever I came around, so okay. maybe you know he wasn't there. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I snuck, I snuck in there.
1: It's okay though. It's okay though. But I got. I got. I don't know if you know know this or not. I, don't, I can't remember if we talked about this. I found this out, I don't remember how. Somehow Facebook was involved, but I don't really remember how exactly I found this out. But oddly enough, not only is he named Defib and I'm named Defib, we have the same exact birthday.
0: Oh yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, September that. 4th, baby. Yeah. Different
1: years. <laughs>
0: right. I, I forgot about that. Wow. Yeah. September 4th coming up. Huh.
1: Now, how odd is
0: that?
2: Very odd.
1: Yeah, very very odd. <laughs> very odd. He's stuffing his face with the wigs I got him. <laughs> Spielberg's over here painting little toy soldiers. I, what is going on? in hey, My dad came. We're here.
2: multitasking. <laughs> the
1: wings are so good
2: like I can't just like let him sit here and get cold.
1: <laughs>
0: Spielberg's painting stormtroopers. So, uh, you know okay, so I'm not going to let our this go. tan down here right now is Ripkin, his birthday September 4th
1: as well. Oh wow, so, I know Ripkin. I didn't know that.
0: Mm-hmm. We, you know,
1: we should get together and, and celebrate somehow, even if it's virtually.
0: I think so. Yeah,
2: because uh, we got to talk about this because you're going to sit over here and you're going to deny it. All right, but but there there. There is a touch of, I think, hurt feelings that you did get replaced with somebody else that How they, they replaced
1: me, and name you, you, D-Fib. You, you've talked, they named You talked
2: about it. You might have even talked about it on this podcast, <laughs> but they but I've heard there? the story several times about I left, and they named some other guy D-Fib? And He kind of like pouts <laughs> about it. Like I think, I think his
1: feelings were truly hurt. I've come around. Yeah, apparently. Well, or well, either that, or I'm faking it. You don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't
2: know, but. <laughs> You're putting on a good act for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's okay. No, I think
2: he's. I think he's gotten over it. There's a lot of defibs if, out there. If not today, he will. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. <laughs> but what are the odds that we have the same birthday? That's that's pretty cool. Yep, five,
2: right, so five years apart from the looks of it. Huh? About five years apart, I'd say from the looks of it. Wink, wink.
1: Five years apart that we were named. Oh, birthdays, <laughs> birthdays. Oh, right, right. Yeah, no, yeah. That, yeah that's right. No, yeah, yeah much five more than that. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. What year were you born?
0: Eighty-five. Uh,
1: yeah, I was a sophomore in college. Yeah, <laughs> there you go.
0: It uh, makes you feel better. I have a lot of gray hair, so I'm I'm older. I look older than I am, maybe.
1: Yeah, don't say that. Say it's just you know been faded by the sun down there in Florida.
0: Oh, that's it. Yep. Yeah,
1: Dialup went to the beach. He came back much more blonde. Although it's white, I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to know. <laughs> All right. So, uh let's let's uh, find out a little bit more about you D-Fib. So, you are uh you grew up in Ohio, right?
0: Yep. Northeast Ohio.
1: Northeast Ohio. And uh mm-hmm. tell us about what it was like growing up there.
0: Um, so it was a small rural town uh called Dover just south of Canton Football Hall of Fame. Is what most people know that for. Um, it was uh my childhood was interesting. I'm the oldest of five boys, so I had four. I have four younger brothers. Um, three of them still live up there in Ohio. My parents, um, you know, we had a, a pretty average uh, upbringing, I suppose, but uh, my parents uh, divorced when I was 13, and so um, a lot of my, my childhood was um, a lot of – there was a lot of fighting and, and that kind of thing in the house, so um, – yeah, I just um, played a lot of sports, too. Uh, that was kind of my thing. I just played uh, soccer and baseball were my sports. So I grew up just really diving into that. And, um, yeah, I mean,
1: yeah. Yeah, and I'll tell you, um, Bing told me, and this this is saying something, coming A, from Bing, and B, from that group of guys down there in that PAX. Bing says he's, you're the best athlete that he's seen. Yeah, Quite a you recommend. said that. That is a great comment because yeah. there's some serious athletes down there. Yeah, yeah. The,
0: the guys are amazing. There's, there's guys down here that uh, have already done Ironman and Ironman uh, races. And we got a 75-year-old guy who's still doing Spartan races. I mean, there's like some serious athletes down here. So it's yeah. pretty awesome. So I think he's pulling your leg. There's a lot of great athletes down here. Wow, well, that's, I, that's very humbly said.
2: Okay. okay, he mentioned the word soccer, that he played soccer. Go ahead and ask him. You always want to ask the question, right? What position did you? Yeah, have? I knew. Yep, Go All ahead.
1: Right. Well, I'm going to guess. <laughs> I'm going to guess. If you're that kind of athlete, you had to be either a winger or a striker.
0: Yeah, so I started on the wing, and actually I was a striker for a little while, but most of my time was at center mid
1: Okay.
2: Uh, see, I was going to go center. Oh, that
0: means you're dirty, too. Yeah. You're willing to uh, mix it up a little. Yeah,
2: the I was going attacking mid. Yeah, no, yeah, no. That was my guess. Oh, yeah.
1: So you're, no you're aggressive. You're competitive, huh?
0: Yeah. yeah I, uh that was one thing definitely from my childhood is I did not like to lose. Uh huh. I actually didn't like to lose more than I liked to win, if that makes sense.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, I understand that. You're not the first guy to say that. Yeah. I don't know what would happen if I played soccer in high school because I, I think I probably got kicked out a lot. I don't think I could have... I don't know if I could have restrained myself. (laughs) If some dude was faking an injury when I was near him, I think, well, next time I'm going to give him something to really be injured over. (laughs) I'll
2: give you something to cry over.
0: Yeah, I don't know.
1: I don't know. Did you ever fake an injury, D-Fib? I never faked an injury. I did
0: um, lose my temper a couple times, and there were some heated uh, exchanges. You know, growing up in rural Ohio, you either played football or basketball, or it didn't really matter what you did. So soccer was not something that was uh, well-received. I remember when... um, we actually first got a soccer team. It was when I was in elementary school, but I loved it at the time. So I hung out with the, the high school guys playing soccer as much as I could. And um, there were stories of people driving around the practice field. For, you know, uh, the locals driving around our practice field yelling, "Go home, you communists!" And uh, <laughs> so there was there was, it was basically football. Amer- North American style mixed with actual soccer so. Right.
2: Yeah. Was there a was, was, was there a club was, soccer scene out there at that point?
0: There was nothing. Purely high school you know, sports. Travel.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's football's king in um, well most of the country, but especially in certain areas. Yeah. Was that a mining mining re- region? Did you guys? That's not a coal mining region, is it?
0: It was mostly factory. No, not coal mining. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mostly mostly factory work. Yeah,
1: okay. All right, so then what? You went off to Kent State University.
0: Yeah, well, um, so because my home life wasn't great, um, I got mixed up into drugs and alcohol pretty early on. So I started um, drinking. I first got drunk when I was 13 and uh, partied all the way through middle school, high school, but I was also into sports and thank God I was able to keep playing sports. Um, I graduated high school not knowing what I was doing, but um, knew that the next step was college. So I actually went to Ohio University and dropped out after a year because I was lost and didn't know what was going on. And uh, And then I moved to Austin, Texas, actually. I lived there for three years and um, was just living on people's couches, kind of surfing around. I was doing landscaping, just had no direction, no purpose. Didn't know what I was doing, um, and I just one day kind of was like, "Wow, I'm I'm just turning into a drug addict, <laughs> essentially." And so I knew I had more to offer. I expected better of myself, and I knew I had a brain, so I needed needed to get back in school. So, um, thank the Lord, I was able to kind of pull out of that, and I moved back back to Ohio, because I knew there was no chance I was going to go to school, living in Austin, Texas, doing what I was doing, so moved back in with the parents, well, my dad, because my parents had been split for about six years at this, at this point, and um, moved back in and got into, yeah, Kent State, and um, pursued the medical field, just because my family said, you know, there's a lot of people in the medical world in my family. Family, and uh, they said I should give that a try, so I did, and loved it. And, yeah.
1: Wow. So what? Uh, what kind of drugs were you into? I'm just curious because we've had a number of guys on here that had to battle those issues.
0: Yeah, uh, alcohol is what you know kicked it all off, but I I did everything, basically everything. I I never um, got into heroin, but basically everything else.
2: And and I think you said you got drunk the first, the first time you got drunk, you were 13 and, but your parents had gotten divorced when you were 13 as well. Was it, do you think getting involved in alcohol, was that like a response to your parents getting divorced? Like an, like an attention seeking thing or were you, or were you already kind of drinking prior to them getting divorced?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So my, uh, I, I mean, my earliest childhood memories are of my, parents fighting, and, and, you know, they're they're great people, so I don't, like, want to talk bad about them, but, um, yeah, th- there was just so much anger and fear that um, I was looking for any way to escape, and uh, so I really clung to my friends, and uh, my friends more and more started becoming my family, um, and so when I was 13, one of my friend's older brothers brought home some beers and said he needed help drinking them, and so um, got, got thrown into that. And, uh, so we were, um, so yeah, I think it was partly trying to escape, um, but also just trying to find somewhere to connect, you know, a group, a group of guys that felt like family.
2: And then one other thing I was just curious about, I think you, you said you're the oldest of the five boys. Yeah. I'm the oldest. What's yeah. the, what, like, how much younger is the, the youngest? Nine years. Nine years. Okay. So he's only only like four at the time.
0: Yeah, and um, it's interesting now looking back at it. I I remember when uh, my parents pulled us into the bedroom to tell us they were finally going to get divorced. That was the only time we sat down as a family. (laughs) Like no dinner together, no conversations about anything. But I remember that one and I remember thinking, wow, this is hitting each one of us so differently. Yeah, Because for me it was like, man, I, I saw years of just just hate and anger and it was almost like, well, it's about time. I mean, and then looking at my brother who was, yeah, you know, four, he he didn't know, that he didn't see the fighting. So for him, you know, it was a totally different experience.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's tough, man. Um, but uh, in the end, you came through it, right?
0: Yeah, by the grace of God, yeah. for sure.
1: You graduate from Kent State, then where'd you go?
0: Um Yeah, so I met my wife in nursing school and uh, we graduated, we moved to Cleveland, Ohio because we could we uh, got our first jobs at the Cleveland Clinic there in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. and so we started our careers there. Um, we got married and moved back to my hometown to be closer to family. Um, had our first son and my, my uh, wife's parents moved down to Sarasota. So we would come visit um we would come visit pretty regularly and finally i was like all right we should we we can move there she was begging to move here and i was like i don't know and uh finally i said yeah yeah let's do it so we we were in cleveland for a year essentially in my hometown for just a few months and then moved down to sarasota
1: there's a big difference between
0: sarasota and cleveland or, yes, or Dover, Ohio. <laughs> Massive difference. Yes, yeah. We are. I am very thankful. I'm here. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, and you live right in downtown Sarasota somewhere.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, we're um, a little east of uh, downtown, but we're pretty close.
1: Beautiful area, man. Beautiful area. But you came back.
2: Yeah, it, it must be more great. beautiful here.
0: Well, you were here.
1: That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the sports scene down here is just really, it's ramping up, too. I mean, they're building um, all kinds of trails. They're talking about bringing Ironman here. It's, it's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah.
1: That'd be cool. They go out and swim with the sharks in the golf. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I hope they don't have to swim out there, but, you know, if they do, it's all right. Are you going to do it? Oh, I totally would if they brought it here. But yeah, for sure. Are you training for this, this uh, triathlon with Bing and the guy? Yeah, that's
2: what I was going to ask you.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm training. So I was I was doing really well. I was consistent with my training, and then some life changes. I had to put a pause on training. So I'm just getting back into it. But yeah, I'm going to do the race uh, in Augusta, Georgia. Yeah, he just guy. he just
1: rolls off the couch and goes out
0: and does it. Yeah, no, no problem. No, I need I need work too. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and you guys are all doing the same one together, right?
0: Yeah, mm, yeah, yeah. There's I think there's like 11 of us doing this thing. It's yeah. a half Ironman.
2: Yeah, I see Bing's blazing saddles post every week or two, right? That's that's your yeah, riding AO, right? Yeah,
0: yep, yeah, yep.
1: Yeah. yeah, those guys are really going after it. Um, yeah, I we love my wife and I love Sarasota. We live in Lakewood Ranch, as I mentioned earlier. So just a little north, actual Bradenton address. But I worked at the same place you work at. I worked at Sarasota Memorial Hospital, and that's why we moved down there because I I got a job down there in the cardiac surgery department. Uh, so we might have actually. Well, that's a big place. I don't know if we'd interact too often if you're in the ER. But anyway, you got a job down there. So tell us uh, tell us about, you know, life events after that.
0: Yeah. Uh, so we moved here. I took a job in the ER. I was actually an ICU nurse. But um, I was weighing out my options. I had an offer to work in the ICU at a hospital called Blake. And it was days in the ICU or nights in the ER at Sarasota Memorial. And I just... I felt uh, the Lord tell me to go to uh, the ER, and so I did, and uh, it worked out. So I was in the ER as a staff nurse for four years, and then um, became a charge nurse here and then I was I was going for a promotion um, to assistant manager and didn't get that, but knew that I wanted leadership and was really um, studying how I could sharpen the leadership skills. And I um, I applied for a leadership position outside of the ER and got that. And so um, I was a nursing supervisor for the house for a year and a half, and then um, COVID hit. <laughs> you might have heard of it. <laughs> Yeah, vaguely. I don't know. <laughs> You've heard, and um, yeah, and actually through that got two more promotions. So it was kind of kind of crazy how all that worked. But yeah, now I'm back in the ER.
2: So did, did COVID kind of push force you into like a leadership position there as far as your your response within the organization?
0: It actually, um, I was in that supervisor role for the, for the hospital um, when it hit, and then we actually got furloughed. So initially we were getting, um, they were cutting our hours because our census cut in half because nobody was coming to the hospital. Everybody was so scared, and uh, so I actually took a travel nurse assignment. I left that position, and uh, I went up to New York because they were in such crisis, and we had no. There was our census was cut in half. There were no patients here to really care for. So I went up to New York because uh, they had a huge need, and did an assignment there for eight weeks. What,
1: and then what, what dates were they? Because were you there in, when they were really getting hammered in New York?
0: Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was actually um I was in Hackensack, New Jersey. Um that would have been April of twenty twenty to you know, eight weeks after that, June or whatever.
1: Oh, yeah, it was right in the middle of the, the pandemic there. The big you know
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. I worked a COVID ICU. It was a makeshift ICU and they had um yeah, it was it was on an oncology floor that they turned into an ICU and that was at the point where everybody was intubated so everybody was on ventilators there's you know the hospital is full they turned their cafeteria into a covid medical floor it was just wild
2: that's crazy when you said you got furloughed i'm like how how did you get furloughed like every hospital is getting hammered right but i guess it just hadn't hit the Florida yet right so Mm -hmm. uh, not mm -hmm. not as big yet yeah interesting
1: yep Yep. all right well tell me about your faith journey because this is this is a you know, the main reason we got you on here, yeah,
0: yeah, um, so I uh, was raised Catholic, um, probably well, yeah, I was raised Catholic, and so we would go to church on Easter and Christmas, and um, never I, I always I always would you know run and hide in my room, and I believed there was a God, so I had. I just there's something in me that I was like I know I just feel like he's real and when we would go to church I like I just love that environment so much I just wanted to stay but I never had a bible or got taught to read the bible you know it's just go to the priest and confess sins and so not a strong faith um that I knew what to do with and so uh I was yeah going through the rough home life, um, totally like went off the deep end with, like I said, the drugs and alcohol, and um, got back in school. I was in college. I met my wife, and uh, her family was different. And so the first time I went over to her house uh, for dinner, I was like, what is this? Like, I don't know what kind of joy these people have. I don't know what this is, but whatever it is, I want it. Like, I just wanted to stay with them they were so there was just so much peace so um, I kept dating my wife and uh, <laughs> it's funny now but she got me a bible and just kind of like casually like got me a bible <laughs> and um, I'm reading this thing and it doesn't make any sense at all and I, I'm i just like I, Lord I want to believe in you God whoever you are I, I want to believe in you but I, this isn't making any sense but I knew I wanted to, uh, you know, after we got married, I knew that when we had kids, I wanted them to grow up in church. And so I wanted to do what I felt like was the right thing. It's just a good thing to do, good principles and that kind of thing. But I knew that my wife would have a hard time um, joining the Catholic faith. And so I was like, yeah, let's go check out Protestant churches, you know. And so we were looking around for churches down in Sarasota. I found one that I could, that connected with me, like, I was like, okay, I can sit here and do this, and, um, the pastor just, uh, recommended a book one day, and so I was sitting in my living room, um, We had one son at the time, and my wife and my son were asleep, and it was late at night. And I was reading through the New Testament. I was in Matthew, and I was reading the the book's called The Case for Christ. And I was just reading through that very practical stuff now. um, And I got to a section, and he was talking about how the Israelites— uh, for 4,000 years, we were following a God that they, they actually encountered. Like, they actually saw Him. They knew the laws from Moses. They, they were set in their faith and headed the right direction. And then this guy named Jesus came along and said, Don't do that anymore. You follow me because I'm the way to the Father. And what hit me, what was revelation for me personally, was that they actually did. Like, these people that were so dead set on God believed in jesus so wholeheartedly that they changed their faith and followed him and it it was just holy spirit he just sent electricity through my body i mean i was literally like paralyzed electricity going through my body i just started sobbing and uh i was taught never to cry guys didn't show emotion and i was just sobbing and i i verbalized i don't know how many times you're real you're real i i I can't believe this. You're really real, and so I gave my life to uh, Jesus uh, right there on the couch in my living room.
1: <laughs> wow, you know, so that that's uh, that's a, that's amazing, yeah. and praise God for that. I uh, I think I've shared my testimony before on the podcast. I grew up Catholic. I believe God. I believe that I believe that Jesus was the Son of God. He went to the cross and died, and for my sins, and rose from the dead. Uh, but I wasn't living that way, and when I was. I got married. My wife challenged me that she wasn't Catholic. Same story that you're telling. Yeah, And uh, she's like, if we're going to have a family, we should be part of a church. I thought, well, that's a good idea. My story is I walked into one of the churches here. We picked it because it was pretty. And it uh, turns out there were Bibles in the pew, which is, as you know, different than the Catholic church. And, the, yeah, the Holy Spirit just got a hold of me and says, read this. So I just started reading it there in church. And uh, my wife had a Bible at home. A friend of mine gave me a Bible at work, and I just kept reading the thing. I, I gave I gave my life to Christ in the Old Testament because God was God was I found out, I realized God's really serious about sin. Yeah, you know, in the Old Testament. And uh and so I realized I was not living my life uh the way I should. And whatever gifts or talents I had I was using for my own selfish gain and and uh, so yeah, that's what dropped me to my knees. I was in the hospital at the time, I was in a call room in the middle of the night. Yeah, and uh and you you had a similar story, except it was the book of the Matthew. And Lee Strobel's book, "Case for Christ," that that got you. But um, so we not only do we share the same name and the same birthday, but we have similar S- something test weird, testimonies.
2: something weirds going on here. And you, you you worked at the same hospital.
1: Yeah, worked at the same hospital. Hmm. Not at the same time, though. But,
2: so you guys yeah. are like long lost brothers. Or yeah, something. I know. Hey, I bro.
1: Know. <laughs> 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 we definitely <It> too <laughs> same birthday. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's so weird, but yeah, but that's that's a great testimony, and so. Now, how does that coincide with you uh, overcoming your uh, drug use and alcohol use? Yeah, uh, it was
0: 180. It was literal repentance. So I changed how I thought. I um, stopped buying alcohol immediately. I, I still, I mean, might have a beer every now and then. Nothing wrong with that. If that's anybody, if you like to drink alcohol. There's nothing wrong with that. That was just my uh, thorn. But, um, yeah, I mean, um Threw all my movies away. Threw all my CDs away. Like I threw everything away. I got rid of everything, and um, really changed how I was living so much so that the people in the ER, because I was working in the ER as an unbeliever, and then I got saved. So when I came to work right after, people were asking me, "What is going on with you?" And it was it was hard at first, but I, you know, I verbalized I. The Holy Spirit, and they were just like, okay, <laughs> and um, yeah, but I mean, everything changed like 180 degrees. It just, yeah, changed.
1: Yeah, wow. I, you become kind of great story zealous, right? I mean, yeah. My wife was even taken aback. She's like, "Whoa, hey, what, what's going on with this guy? <laughs> Easy fellow, right? Now I'm giving away all of my money, and <laughs> he threw his
2: CDs away. Though, did you throw away any CDs?
1: I don't... We didn't have... Did I have CDs? There weren't eight tracks. No. We we moved... (laughs) They released cassettes, right? I think we might have been starting CDs. Okay. I don't remember what I had, what I didn't have. I'm not a big music guy. So, usually when I listen to music, it's just turning the radio in the car. But, I will say that the 80s music and... Uh some of the heavy metal I used used to listen to, I'm like, hmm. So when I so, in, so <laughs> here's a music story and, and and the difference with Christianity, right? And take this for what it's worth, but I said growing up in high school, college, you know, we said what's your favorite song? My favorite song back then was Highway to Hell by ACDC. Now if it comes on the radio, I turn it off. Yeah. I still like the sound of the song. And it would be on my workout playlist. If I didn't, if I didn't come to Christ, <laughs> <laughs> I still have AC/DC on my playlist, Thunderstruck, and yes, he does, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah,
0: Highway to Hell. I'm like, okay, why you was feel, that my favorite song? Feel a bit
2: <laughs> dirty when that one comes on.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah, I had all the uh, Metallica albums. I used to sit yeah. in my room. I had them all memorized. So. I still have
1: uh "For Whom the Barrel Bell Tolls" on my workout playlist. So yeah the good thing for me is i don't I can't understand most of the lyrics of songs so <laughs> yeah, yeah. in there I can't really I don't really know yeah, yeah. so yeah All right. so people notice the difference in you
0: yeah it's funny when my wife tells the story because she was praying the whole time that the Lord would touch me just so I would be okay going to church like she was just like bare minimum like just change this guy a little bit so he's okay with our kids being okay. Oh. <laughs> and and so when I became so zealous, she was like, Well, the Lord really does go above and beyond. He really he wants life and life in the fullest. So Well
2: yeah. it sounds like she probably had parents that were praying for you.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. And then there's probably oh, yeah.
2: there's probably a grandma praying for you. And yep. you never escape a gr- a praying grandma.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> like, yeah, That's so true. Yeah. 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 I in the you know I think in your uh, bio you said that you then thought that you were being called to ministry.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and you know only recently a, a friend is helping me work through that cuz I meant the more I'm like oh yeah I just want to be all in for Jesus the more I'm growing at at work in this area and so I've really come to realize that ministry is life it, it happens everywhere and uh you can minister at any moment at any time and you should you should just you know I, I always uh, one of my pastor friends always models a great uh, a great prayer life so when he sees somebody that has a need or has somebody that is kind of hurting or something he prays right then and there he doesn't say hey I'll be praying for you he he lays hands on and prays right there so I try to incorporate that into um, my work but yeah um, I uh, I realized that really people think of Doing ministry or called to ministry, like myself, as working in a church. But I think really what we oftentimes feel is the Lord telling us that He wants us to be in community with other people that are like minded, with other people that want to minister in His kingdom. And um, that can happen anywhere. It just. The church, the actual church building is a structure where I believe the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers go to meet to equip the saints. So the saints are coming in, we're getting equipped, and then we're to go out and do the work. So, yeah, I I feel, um, you know, until the Lord has something different for me, I'm going to minister here in the hospital.
1: Yeah, and that's that's a huge field to minister to. I mean, just yesterday I prayed with one of my patients. And, uh, you know, it's an, the impact it has not just on the patient, but on the nurses and people that are standing there listening to yeah. you and stuff. It's, a, um, it's, yeah, there's, there's plenty of opportunity. Um, when I, when I first came to Christ, I was, you really, as like I said, really gung ho and zealous and, and I couldn't stop reading. I started, I started reading all kinds of Christian books. And so I spent a lot of money in Christian bookstores, which I don't even know if they exist anymore. You just Amazon everything now, but there's, there's a couple out there. Yeah. So, uh. I, I just read all kinds of stuff. But then I, then, so God didn't make me perfect when I came to faith in Christ because I was still arrogant. No, I'm still, I'm still arrogant now. But I, but I was so arrogant and confident and narcissistic that I thought I could go out and talk to people and convince them that they got to, you know, creation's real, God is real, you know, Jesus. So So I, I felt this calling to go to campus ministry, and uh, our church, which is a Baptist church, was uh, a member of the Conservative Baptist Association. I think it's called something else now. But the Conservative Baptist Association had a, a, a missionary group that uh, associated with them called Campus Ambassadors. And so I started, I got involved with, first I, I looked at Athletes in Action. and like, hey, uh, Bloomsburg University right down the road here doesn't have one. And I contact Athletes in Action. They're like, hey, we're sending a guy there. To start an athletes in action ministry at the university because the football coach asked for it. And it turns out the guy was a CCU nurse I used to work with, who he left. I never knew where he went. And he was out in Kent State University. What? Doing athletes in action. And he was called back because he's from our area to start athletes in action at Bloomsburg University. Isn't this crazy? What was his birthday? <laughs> <laughs> i don't know doug williams his name is a, uh, anyway so doug and his wife were doing it and so he invited me to come along doug was really cool and he let me just join him you know he ran it i still would work my full-time job and i actually got to work with uh, the football team because it was we started right before school started and he got to address the football team in a team meeting and stuff like that i got to do a, a chapel right before a game uh for the football team and i met one-on-one one guy but anyway uh, that led me to want me, I'm going to do this full time because I could just go out there and talk to these people and I know that they'll be convinced, you know, because I said so. And uh, so I actually got uh, appointed to be campus ambassadors and I had to start raising support. And now I had a wife and one or two kids at the time. We, I think both my kids were born and I couldn't raise enough support and I, I failed at that. So then I just gave up on it. So So for a while I beat myself up about that. Like, okay, if God really called me, then I gave up, and I shouldn't have. Or I thought God called me, and I was wrong. But I think that uh, everything has a purpose. So that was a good experience for me. I got to go out and preach at different churches to try to raise support. So I, I got a new appreciation for pastors and preaching and all yeah. that stuff. You guys learn more about me than you need to know. We need to talk to the other defense. But, <laughs> but I, I mean, I I can understand your desire to to go into
0: ministry then.
1: Uh, but what you did is you took the ministry to your workplace and you started some Bible studies.
0: Yeah. Yep. I was leading a men's Bible study at the church I got saved in. And then, um, I felt the Lord, I was asking for him to use me any way he could. And so he said, all right, I'm going to use you in the ER. And I was like, yeah, I don't really want to be there though. Any way you can except there. <laughs> Cause I just wanted out. I was like, oh my word, this is so hard. Just felt like you're on an Island. So, but he said, nope, right there. So I went to uh, the director of the ER and, um, I was just gonna pitch an idea that I felt the ER staff could use more compassion, accountability and professionalism and I said I think I can help with that Um, I have an idea to start a group and we'll just focus on that and Holy Spirit moved while I was talking to her because I didn't know where, I had no idea what her faith was like or what she believed and I said "Um, "You know, I, I do so already outside of here in a Bible study and I'd like to bring a Bible study here and She immediately was supportive. She said, "Yeah, I think it's a great idea." And so, um, got permission to use uh, to start a Bible study here, as long as I didn't use, I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to use any conference room or, believe it or not, the chapel. Um, Unless, unless the the chaplain here at the hospital was leading the Bible study, I couldn't use the chapel. So, but we got to use the break room in the ER, and uh, yeah, so we started a once a week at. 0600, I think it was, Bible study, so we could catch night shift and day shifts coming on. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was small. We had a f- just a few people showing up, but we, we ministered through some tough things, some marriage issues and some different things. And uh, it was cool because we were praising the Lord and reading His Word and growing together. But also, even if people didn't come to the Bible study, they kind of started noticing those of us that were there. And uh, it was funny. Um, anytime there was something like really going wrong in their life, we had a couple of people that weren't believers that got diagnosed with cancer. They would seek us out and just ask if we could pray for them and ask if we can just spend some time with them. And so we were, again, ministering, spreading the gospel, spreading the love of Jesus um, in the ER and um yeah it was it was amazing
1: well that's cool did you weren't you asked then to expand that and uh do more
0: yeah well yeah so i was uh doing that for a little while and then i got that promotion that led me out of the er and so i handed the bible study off to another guy who was coming um pretty routinely and so i was out in the hospital not in the er anymore and uh didn't know what the Lord had for me next in the hospital. I was doing some things outside of the hospital, but, um, was, yeah, just working. And then, um, the Lord uh, moved me into a management position on one of the floors and then quickly moved me back to the ER in the, the manager's role, which is above the role I initially went for, um, the assistant manager role that I didn't get, he, he brought me full circle back to actually being the manager. And so I'm in the management role for a few months, and a couple other managers, one who I'd never met before, stopped me in the hall, and they were like, on two separate occasions, hey, will you uh, start a Bible study? We could really use a Bible study. And so after the second time, I knew it was the word telling me it was time to start one back up so this time I, um, I reached out to a couple managers and the chaplain and said I want to start this thing and they were uh, helping us plan and prep and oddly enough this time not only did we get a conference room we got the biggest conference room in the hospital um, the director of the spiritual care services booked it for us for one hour one day a week for the rest of the year And, um, there's no way I could have got that room on my own. So before they told me I couldn't use a conference room, now they were booking the biggest one in the facility that you can't even get for all year. So praise God, it was pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, is that still going on now?
0: Yeah, so, um, we are, we're still doing that and, um, we're starting to work on a, uh, Started work on a, a Christian newsletter, like just maybe a monthly kind of magazine, just something we can send out to staff to encourage. And then um, we're, at, we're also trying to uh, brainstorm some other ideas to try to reach clinicians for Christ, um, just build resiliency through through Jesus. And um, yeah. Nice. So,
1: now, you set out to awesome. make a difference in the compassion, accountability, and professionalism yeah. in the department. Um, have, have you noticed a difference?
0: Oh yeah. Now I have big time. Um, back then it didn't seem like it. It didn't feel like there was any traction felt like I wasn't doing much at all. Um, aside from, you know, I knew I was impacting individual lives, but I didn't, I could have never seen how God was going to work me. Like when I left the ER, I thought I was done with the ER. Um, and so he brought me back in here and now, um, yeah, through, the the leadership and the influence that he's given me um I, there's a, a definite impact like he's definitely working in this place yeah
2: what's the mix of staff that attends is it management all the way down to you know the the nursing staff in the er or other units um yeah. staff
0: uh yeah um we've had Uh, so I opened it up just to all the managers. I sent out an email to the managers. Hey, we're going to have a Bible study. I didn't want to go any other level because I wasn't sure how that would play out. But since then other managers have invited some of their staff. So we're, yeah, we're, we're having, um, techs, uh, RNs. Um, we've even got some, they're called patient safety attendants. So they sit with the patients that are very disruptive. um, and directors, um, yeah. It's it's a mix now. It's still not like a ton of people, pharmacists. We've got some pharmacists coming. So but yeah, I mean there's there's definitely a mix. It's pretty cool.
2: That's yeah, that's, that's just awesome. Cool they're all coming together. Yeah. yeah. Different uh areas in the hospital.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. It's it's a really, really good hospital. Um they win awards frequently for like best hospital America type stuff and everything. It's kind of a unique thing. I at least, I don't, it's not the only one, but I'm going to get this wrong, but the hospital is like owned by the city. And there's a a elected board that runs the hospital Mm -hmm. as opposed to like our hospital. That's private. Yeah. There's a board of directors, but no one gets elected. I mean, it's, you you know, that and then they hire the CEO, that kind of thing. But, uh, yeah. So, um, do you ever interact with any of the cardiac guys, Doctor Cell, Doctor Hofberger, Doctor Fong? Who? Who was the last one you said? Oh, I think he is. He a cardiologist. He's a cardiologist. Yeah, and the PA's my my guys up there, man. Mike and Pierre and Jeremy and the girls you got Jen and Stephanie and Christine and Kelly. You know those guys? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you see him. Tell him it's very big. <laughs> it's very big. I I was only in the ER a few times, and um, I got, I each time I go down there, I get lost. I don't even know how to get to where I'm going. How many beds is this place? I don't. How many beds?
0: So, yeah, the hospital's licensed for 895. Ooh. Our ER is 70 bed, so we have 230 staff members in the ER. A little bigger yeah. than a big G
1: here, huh? and it's not just like one big room. Just like you gotta go through this door, go down there, go through that door. I'm I, trying to find somebody came up with an aortic dissection. I gotta get to the OR, and I'm walking around like, where <laughs> in the world is this patient at? <laughs> yeah.
2: So many comments could be. one of the issues I had going through that hospital, yeah, right.
1: Uh one of the issues I had walking through the hospital was the hallways. At least most of the hallways I traversed, there's no outside windows from the hallways.
0: So uh, you ha- you can't
1: you don't really know what direction you're heading. Uh, I mean, you can't tell by looking outside. So I, okay. You know, am I am I walking north or am I walking south and, you know, that kind of thing. So you kind of get to know the places that you normally go and Yeah. Yeah, I don't cool. want
2: to get us off track but i I've shared this with numerous numerous other folks but th- there was i don't think we talked about it on a podcast ever but there was a, there was a study i i think it was like discovery Channel or something like that where they actually stu they started with mice studying how they navigated through a maze and then eventually they moved to how and, and they were looking at differences between men male and female mice and then moved to humans mm-hmm And it's funny you mentioned the windows because that was one of the big findings is that men really navigate by outside and having this, having a sense of what, northwest, east, right? And then moving in a grid like pattern. Yeah to navigate where, where women are all landmarks. That's yeah, why, the that's painting, why men, the, that's the why men, the
1: rainbow, I turn left and yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that,
2: that's why men get lost in the mall. Cause like my wife will tell you, I can, I can go in the store and I will turn around and go the exact direction I just came from every time. <laughs> and she's like, you get lost. I'm like, yeah, I just, I can't navigate. Yeah. We indoors need, to see, that well. I need to be outside. You put yeah. me in the city or anywhere else. Hey, I can that, get, you know, you that's
1: why, why when men drive, they're focused down the road. Yeah. We're looking down the road. This is true. They're, they're, we're focused down the road. We don't. We're not exact focused exactly on what's right next to us. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the ladies are a little different.
2: Yeah, that's why my wife plowed into like ten deer all at once because she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't see them standing right there alongside the road. She was. I don't know.
1: Yeah, Bristol, you got to look down the road. <laughs> and always, if you're driving around our area at night, always use your high beams. Unless there's another car coming at yeah. you, but there's you will find all kinds of critters that you could hit. Do you have deer in Florida? Did you have? Do you have deer down there?
0: They're like big dogs. Dude. They're not real deer. Not real deer? And the no. Alligators
1: and
2: Alligators and all?
1: Yeah, and the jaguars. Allig-
2: do people yeah. hit alligators crossing? Like, like do alligators get hit crossing the road
1: ever by a car?
0: I, they probably do get hit. They definitely cross the road sometimes. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, that happens.
1: They, they, you know, it's interesting. I would, like, destroy your out, car, I think. What I found out is the... Well, the gators are pretty flat. You're going to roll right over them. But... <laughs> would I when they're, okay. they're, they're not all of them are that big <laughs> but the ones that uh are the alligators down there they they travel underground so all these things that they call lakes down there that we would call ponds are connect with an underground waterway so gators go from like one water pond lake to another underground
2: so through like a culvert
1: I don't know what a culvert is yeah. but it's an underground waterway. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Culverts, like the metal tubes, right? That runs under the road. No,
1: but these are just under the dirt. I mean, there's no tube. I don't know how they. I don't know. Maybe. The, I Here in Pennsylvania,
2: we call those caves.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. These gators show up. If anyway, there's water, there's a gator.
2: All right. We got way off track. Yeah, I'm sorry. Did, yeah. How did we get there? Oh, the mall navigating. Yeah. yeah. You getting yeah. lost in the ER. I mean, some I guy dying. So some big, some guy dying her. from his aortic dissection because yeah. you couldn't get to he his road. died
1: because D-Fib <laughs> couldn't find him. So, I mean. Give me a GPS Oh well Yeah So Well that's You know that's amazing Because You know it's one thing To have your Your personal story Your personal faith But to see it um, You know you're, you're reaching others Just by starting These Bible studies You were faithful To the Lord You felt him calling you To do that And you did that And uh, And then People notice a difference I mean you notice a difference In the compassion And the professionalism And the accountability In the group you're yeah. leading Right
0: yeah, yep. Yeah. We, uh, yeah. Our um, interestingly enough, through the pandemic, our patient satisfaction scores have never been higher. So um, there's there's definitely the Holy Spirit's moving through this place. I mean, um, when I when I look at how many patients come through our ER, I mean it's it's seventy five thousand a month. The number of complaints are almost none. I mean, it's very low for that many patients. What's so. your average wait time? Um, average, uh, it's creeping up through the pandemic, but, um, it's, it's pro- we try to keep it to 30 minutes, but sometimes it creeps a little bit higher yeah. than that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, it could be long. ERs can be very long wait times. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I don't know what ours is here. I have no idea. I'll, I know it's probably pretty long, but I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, so you sent us a, uh, also a document, uh, de- defining your leadership philosophy. Yeah. So tell me about that. So you've been in leadership roles for a while. Mm-hmm. F3's mission is to invigorate male community leadership. Yeah. Uh, tell me about your leadership philosophy. Well, for, let's start with that. Tell us, why don't you talk about that?
0: Yeah. Uh, one of my mentors challenged me to create this leadership philosophy and give it to everybody that I hired. So in 18 months, I've hired, I'm told, around 190 people. And so, I mean, we turned our ER, basically. And so um, I've had to hand this thing out that was, first of all, difficult to write, and then very difficult to hand out to strangers because I get pretty personal in there. And I just, But, um, yeah, my philosophy is basically faith, humility, discipline. And if we can be faithful, we can't please God unless we're faithful. So if we're faithful to his call to be obedient to that, um, he'll put more on our plate and give us, Uh, more influence and and help us to serve those around us well and um, we have to stay humble through that which I am working on um, constantly and there's highs and lows to that but um, I believe humility is the way to ascent and so um, staying disciplined keeps us focused on our goals and where we're going and, and being consistent in those things. Um, so I kind of lay that out, my leadership philosophy. I let people know up front what they can expect from me as a leader and what I expect from those that I am leading. So that if anything ever comes up and they feel like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen my manager for a while because you know the ER never closes and I'm not here 24-7. So they're in... If they're working 312s, there's a chance I might not see them for a while. So I want them to feel comfortable coming to me um, with any kind of big, small issue that they have. So basically that kind of lays that out up front. Like nothing's too big or small to come to me with, and um, you should expect grace on me. And and I let them know that whenever I am messing up or I'm not doing well or I'm being um, – uh, not leading well I guess in their eyes that they have permission to speak that to me like they can bring that to me and we can talk about it
1: nice obedience humility grace yeah
2: I, I, I'm glad you asked because I was getting ready to ask them about that because I I'd read that and I thought that was really good really good stuff what, what kind of response do you get from your staff uh, when you hire them and, and hand that out probably a, um, probably a big range of responses I would guess
0: well, so our groups of hires have been so big. So the, the ER works in a way where I'll, I'll interview a lot of people and I'll hire and we have set dates when they can start. And if they don't have ER experience, they have to start our residency program, which is a 12-week-long intensive training to equip them to work in the ER. So I'll have a, I present these documents in a room of about 12 people. So I hand it out to 12 people, and I just say, read it, at, you know, when you can, because you've got a lot to learn. There's a lot going on. Just kind of look through it when you can. So I'm actually not even around when they read it. That kind of helps me a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and um but, yeah, so far I've had a few people tell me how much they appreciated that. Um, absolutely no negative feedback. I, I mean, I don't know if they would. You know, if, even if they disagreed with it, I don't know if they would tell me. But, um, yeah, a lot of really good feedback. And I, I've heard many, many times that people really appreciate that their team around them. Because I tell everybody that I interview um, – in the ER and, and SMH as a whole, our focus is patient safety and satisfaction first, but second to that is teamwork because the ER is very much a team sport. So I feel like, if nothing else, that, that leadership philosophies help them to come together as a team.
1: Yeah, it's really good. Do you, do you have a, a mission statement for your department?
0: Um, We basically just follow the hospitals, pillars, um, you know, quality, excellence, professionalism, those kind of things. But um, that is one thing that I haven't done yet that my mentor is telling me I need to is in our huddles at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. go out there and just reinforce what our mission and vision really is. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. Whatever I know about leadership and the things that my experience, I think it's, it's important to have one Mm -hmm. um, but it's also important that everybody knows it and that means you got to constantly reinforce it so yeah yeah I also had um I don't know if you thought about this but um I had a list of core values that I used for teams that I coach and I used to direct a, a surgical residency program for PAs and I used it used it there too um uh the, my players, when they're growing up, especially the girls, they're like, yeah, 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 whatever. But later in life, they a number of them have come back and said, hey, these really meant a lot or whatever, and you know, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I I, I think it's worth doing because it's like the pillars that the hospital has, um, you know, whatever core values you come up with. But uh, again, something that you have to talk about, though, you can't just like put them out there. So that's cool. So uh, tell me about your experience with F3, and uh, has that helped you uh, in your leadership at all?
0: Oh, tremendously. Yeah. Um, I, like I said, started about four years ago, and really, I think the Lord's used that to um, enhance my leadership for sure. Um, Just getting comfortable speaking in front of people that you know, or there's people at all different walks of life that are at F3, and there's some that are... Uh, have been through a lot more um, just in life and have really risen up to a lot of big challenges. So I'm surrounded by these guys that I'm super inspired by, and then you get in the center and you're leading them in a workout. Like, there's, there's no hope but to grow. I mean, there's, you, you can't help it but grow. And, and so, um, yeah, F3 has helped me the, the, whole, the whole path of my leadership journey for sure. Like I said, like being in front of some of these guys that I know are really successful in their fields, um, and also really model that servant leadership. Like mm-hmm. I want to, I want to honor that. Like I want to grow into that. It's really good.
1: Yeah, and I know there's some great guys down there. Um, Bing, as I said, was in an Nantin when I joined, and he he really modeled servant leadership to me. You
0: know, when yeah. he, was, he
1: was leading down there, so. Yeah, that awesome. guy's amazing.
0: Yeah, Bing's amazing. Ripkin, our current dance-in. Uh, Drake, who gave you your name. Yeah. They're prolific leaders. Gridlock, uh, Pincher. I mean, the list goes on and on. They're, it's just a really awesome group of guys that have helped me tremendously.
1: Yeah, yeah that's cool. Um, how often do you make it to F3? What's your weekly routine like?
0: I was doing two or three days a week um, pretty consistently. Um, and then outside of that, outside of the official aos i would say probably two days a week just training with the guys that are on this triathlon journey um so yeah i mean when we get into the full swing of things i'd say at least four days a week i'm with the guys in one way or another um lately it's been a little less just because of the season my wife and i have been in but yeah it's i'm there at least three or four five days a week
1: yeah that's great are you a runner
0: yeah that's that's definitely my best of the three sports running
1: cool yeah have you run any marathons
0: yeah I've done uh, I've done a few marathons couple halves so I like f- the marathon marath- how fast are you
1: <laughs> that wants to know I know he wants to know
0: okay <laughs> um my fastest marathon is two hour 52 minute so it's about a 636 pace
1: It's yep. pretty good it's pretty good you got him beat though, don't you?
2: <laughs> when I was young. When you were young. When I was young. <laughs>
0: you were a <laughs> runner. What's that? Were you? Around?
2: Yeah, I I grew up running, you know, track, cross country, and uh, started doing marathons when I was in college, actually, and did Boston a few times. Yeah, he was tied with the he was
1: tied with the number one number one runner in the world at Boston was.
2: Yeah, yeah. Funny story. So I yeah. So the first time I qualified for Boston did i share that on here i don't remember i can't remember did i all right share it again i apologize listeners if you're gonna hear it again so my first time at boston i had kind of set a goal for myself and because uh, i would qualified at a 250 i wanted to go sub 240 at boston and it was it was blazing hot and and my mentor at the time he's like i know you're in shape to go sub 240 you know you're in shape to go 240. Today's not the day. Put your watch away. Leave it in your duffel bag. Like just enjoy the experience. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, George, got it on it. Understand? Yeah, I went out. You know, guns a blazing, banging through my splits, and ended up getting like totally dehydrated into like delirious climbing heartbreak hill to the point where I stopped to go into the to the aid station because like I literally like was like starting to wander on the road. And so I'm sitting there and I'm rehydrating. And feeling pretty crappy, and uh, legit, like one of the workers come just had had just walked over and said, "How are you feeling?" And as he's saying that to me or asking me that question, I look over and here comes Abraham Hussein, the two-time two-time defending Boston Marathon champion, walking into the aid station, and I'm like, "Don't feel so bad now that I see that he's in here with me, right?" And so he sits down beside me and just like strikes up conversation, like you know, we were like training partners or something, like about how our days went south and everything. And, you know, of course he, he dropped out because he wasn't feeling good and he would just turn around and run another marathon in a month and earn, you know, a hundred thousand dollars by winning the thing. Not the, not the same story for me, but I ended up, my wife was running it, uh, as well. So anyway, I saw her come by l- later and she had been having a nagging knee injury. So I ended up finishing my Boston marathon with her. So technically. I did not you beat tie. Him. You beat him, Abraham saying I beat yeah. Abraham saying the you two-time defending him. Boston Marathon champion, because he dropped out. That's right, and I finished with my yeah. wife in like four hours. That's or our like
0: that. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Pretty awesome. We need to get together for a race. Oh, well, well,
2: you know the Blue Ridge Relay is coming oh. up. Uh, <laughs> okay. <That's
0: laughs> have you heard? Of, have of you heard about that? What's that? Isn't that like a 200-miler or it's, something? It's is
2: 208 a- miles. Yeah, it's coming up here in, uh, like, what, three and a half weeks or so? We have a, we have a meeting after this, actually, to, uh, to kind of work on our final planning. I, I think there was a group that came up from Florida last year, wasn't there?
1: I do not remember.
2: I think I saw a Florida team uh, on one there. One of our teammates, Compass, came from Miami. That's true, yeah. Anyway, yeah, 208-mile relay. Um, they've had people do the whole thing themselves, I guess, which is insane. Uh, most, most of the teams are anywhere from, like, 6 to 12. So, like we do, we do it as a 12 man team. So, pretty, pretty low key as far as the mileage, you know, anywhere from like 18 to 22 miles you'll run. Um, And with a 12 man team, you run three legs, uh, about 10 hours apart each, um, depending on how fast your team is. But yeah, it's a cool, cool experience. But it's in the, it's in the, you know, Blue Ridge Mountains. It's very hilly. Uh, Lots of big climbs, some big downhills as well that beat your legs up. But neat experience. Yeah. If you ever get a chance to do it, you should try it.
0: Yeah, man, I'll put it on the list yeah, for Spiel, sure. Spielberg I'll order, you hear
1: that we'll, just, we'll just get an easy pills, eighteen though. to twenty miles. Easy, yeah. That's no big deal. Spielberg's
2: got like twelve total. I think he's got he's got like three pretty easy legs.
1: <laughs> he's not even.
0: Yeah, we'll keep
2: you in mind next year if we're <laughs> yeah if we're looking for guys for next year for our team. Hey, yeah, I'm your man. that'd be awesome. Yep, yeah, you can just meet us there
1: and join the party. Oh, there you go. You gotta two, right. two, got two to recruit. That's right. Two recruit. Hopefully, my back will be recovered. I'll oh, get yeah, the that's yeah. right.
0: Yeah, I like it. That's great.
1: I'll be guy. I'll be the guy doing the twelve miles. Whatever it takes. All right, cool. Hey, I got a couple more questions for you. One is, um, if you were to name somebody, past, present, future, whatever, that is like the one person you would say you look up to or is your idol or whatever, who would that be?
0: Wow. Um, One person I look up to uh, for sure since I got saved is Billy Graham. I just, that guy, his speaking style is something that, Obviously, I don't have the same speaking style. Maybe nobody does, but um, just, yeah, awesome life and love how um, bold he is when he speaks. Um, yeah, probably him. That's a good
1: one. Yep. God sure, loves he you. Us, yeah. He made a career saying God <laughs> loves, loves you. It. He said a lot more than that, but
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: Pretty cool. Well, yeah, it's amazing how the spirit has moved and he's blessed you. And, uh, you know, you go through valleys, but then then there's the the mountaintops, right? And sometimes, uh, like you, you applied for the job as assistant manager or whatever in the ER, didn't get it. You move along and next to know, you're back as manager. Yeah, It's like Joseph gets sold into slavery by his brothers, goes to prison, ends up being second in command with Pharaoh, right? Uh, We never know what we're going through and why we're going through it, but there's a plan. Trust Just it. like Hannibal Smith said in the movie The A-Team. <laughs> oh, jeez.
2: The movie The there's A-Team. There's a plan
1: in everything, and I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs>
2: did he say it in the TV series first, though?
1: Well, they did say it in the TV series, but I watched the movie twice recently this weekend it was on. So yeah. was. Great, be... great opening scene with the <laughs> but it's not was. But
2: it's not nearly as good as the...
1: Well, the TV show was classic. Yeah, right. And I actually watched it when it was on live. So anyway.
2: <sighs> okay. We'll let you. we we'll let you go on that one,
1: Mr. T. Yeah. All right. Well. Cool. Billy Graham. That's that's a that's a great one to look up to. Did you read his biography? It's a pretty big book, but I read it years ago. It's called Just as I Am, Billy, Billy Graham's autobiography. He wrote it, and uh, he said his biggest regret. What was his two biggest regrets? Do you think in life?
2: I've heard this before, and I'm drawing a complete blank on what it is.
1: Yeah, two of them. One was he. He now this is a guy who spent a tremendous amount of time studying the Bible and praying. He regrets not spending more time in Bible study and prayer alone with God. And he got he has me beat by a lot by doing that. But yet he has his regret. And his other regret was spending more time with his family. Yeah, boy, look at that relationships. Relationship with your Creator first, I'll and the second. ones closest to you and your a second. Yeah, that's good stuff, huh? Billy Graham.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was just I was just on a run with uh, my buddy Gridlock down here, and we were talking about relationship and, and seeking some healing from some pain and different things. And, uh, yeah, um, our God is a God of relationship. I mean, Jesus was all about relationships, so um, that resonates. That's really good. Yeah. I think that's why F3 is so profound.
1: Yes is yes.
2: this the gridlock that we've tried to get Can you on tell gridlock yeah i've
1: been please. trying to get him on here we couldn't hook up and the last time i tried to, i contacted him he didn't get back to me so we're trying to get gridlock on this thing man
0: i'll tell him he's got to come he's yeah, got he's like the go. adoption
2: <laughs> agency that he does right the support group oh, for like yeah, families bro. right for
0: adoption yeah. His ministry sick. Yeah, um, yeah. I,
2: I, I was so excited to have him on. We haven't been able to get him on yet, but
0: it he'll just come on. He, he talked so cool. about you guys. He's like, I'm going to get on there. It's just the schedule hasn't worked out. So All he right. wants to join. You. He wants to join you guys. But yeah, he, his story is awesome. Yeah, Teddy, really we haven't given up on him. All right. He hasn't given up on you either. Right. It's going to yeah. happen. <laughs> Coming to you
1: soon, folks, on a
2: podcast in week 25 <laughs> yeah. or maybe at the halfway point at 26. All
1: right. All right. So uh, uh, I got to tell you, though, we, my, my family and I, my family being my wife and my kids, we were talking about where we're going to go on vacation. We have a week off at the end of November. I don't know the exact dates, but on the list is Lido Beach. Come on. Brother, Lido Beach. That's our beach. And, come uh, on. If I come down there. We're going to hook up all of you guys. Yeah. Okay. I'll, oh, yeah. I'll make it to as many beatdowns as I can.
0: Good, man. Yeah. we. I look forward to seeing you, man. Yeah. yeah we got to get some
1: second you. F stuff going too.
0: Yeah. And if you can make it, I think it's November 17th through the 19th, something like that. We've got a really cool event going on.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I think it's later than that because it's like right okay. after Thanksgiving or, right, or maybe the week of Thanksgiving, something like that.
0: Okay. What's the event? It's called Wild Packs. We go camp out together and do a bunch of dumb stuff. It's it's Uh, a lot of fun. I've
2: seen Bing post... About that, yeah.
1: I won't be able to camp out. I'm actually would be on vacation with my family, so that would not go right. over You
2: guys have All to have well. like a defib off or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> when you're down, well, in
1: maybe if we're eating wings, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't say a dirty <laughs> word or anything
2: there, did I? Uh, well, listen. We'll, I don't know we'll, what a, we'll, I don't know what a defib off looks like. Well, here's, but, so what we'll you guys is, have to have one.
1: We'll, we'll race, okay? <laughs> well, we'll do a two mile race, and I
2: he gets a bike, you run.
1: No, no, he has to run two. I run the. I just want run, run one. Okay. So. I get a a mile head start on the two-mile race. I'll still lose, but that's okay.
2: And then a Merkin versus Vibrating Plank Off.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Still on me about the Vibrating Plank. All right. Uh, One more question. Yep. This is your chance to speak to the men of America. Getting serious again. What is your message for the men of America?
0: My biggest message would be um, whenever you hear a call from the Lord, whenever you feel in your heart to move, move, be obedient to that call. And a lot of times that's when you're in a one-on-one situation with somebody that's hurting and you know, you can share something with them, whether it's a word or a prayer or some kind of encouragement, do not shy away from those moments because those have been the most profound and uh, impactful moments that I've experienced with people. And, I've walked away from situations like that, hearing from the Lord and him telling me to do something for somebody that I thought was just going to be nothing, just not, like, I don't know how this is going to help this guy or gal, but in in faith, I did that. And, uh, it's been amazing to see what he's done through that. So if you're faithful and obedient, he'll touch people's lives through you. <laughs>
1: Amen. Amen. Divine appointments, man. Yeah. I've got a yep. pastor that preaches that all the time. Don't
2: right? miss them. Pray, pray for those divine appointments and then don't miss them when they come. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's
1: all it. Right. Yeah, cool. Dial up, you got anything else?
2: No. This was this was really good. It was great meeting you, man.
0: Yeah, nice meeting you guys too. It was fun. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, dial up, I think. We just spoke to another high impact man. We absolutely did. All right. Hope you all have been as blessed as we are. God bless you. D, D- fib, keep up the good work, brother. All right,
0: you guys too. Thank you. All right, see you. See you. Thank
2: you for listening to this week's episode. I would like to thank our guests for joining us and sharing their story of becoming a high-impact man. More information and resources can be found at highimpactman.com. If you like this podcast, please consider following us on our social media pages or email us mm-hmm. at him at highimpactman.com. That is H-I-M at highimpactman.com. The High Impact Man podcast has a new episode every week and you can find them on Apple Podcast, Spotify and Google Podcast platforms. <laughs> Have a great week everyone.